Liam and Sean, how are we doing, boys? Not bad, mate. You? Hi, good, good, good. Um, had a good day yesterday. Obviously, after the after the game. And for anybody, tell us, tell us about your game, Craig. Come on, then. Tell us about your game. I know we got beat three one. Um, no, but so, tell tell us about what all, what all happened all, all of yesterday because you've not actually really spoke about it that much on this pod and. I want you to tell the Ramblers all about it. No, so last year I joined a team that was specifically set up and created for guys that were overweight. I know it doesn't look it, but I am carrying a bit extra timber down <laughs> below. And which is why it was Sean that was the face of these seven and not me. Because um, Craig could be fit into it. Aye. But we're basically, it's, it's mostly ex-amateur football players that are just too... A bit too heavy to play normal amateur football. So this is the first year of the league. It's called the Warriors, well, the Appen Warriors Premier League. It's sponsored by Appen. And the way the fixtures transpired was that it was us and uh, a team for air that were top of the league. And the last game of the season was the two of us playing each other. So we were level on points, but they had a bit of goal difference. So if we wanted to win the league, we had to win the game. They could just draw. Um, and we lost, we lost 3-1. So it was quite disappointing, but the day out, like, we got a coach down, because we were down at Clermont uh, Juniors down. So we got the coach down that in the morning, I got interviewed for the BBC. Uh, the BBC were there, because um, they'd seen the traction that the the league had gained. Didn't get paid for it. Um, so I'd done a pre-match interview, just asking like what it meant to me, and um, sort of there's a name, even though it's about overweight, Guys, it's about sort of an emphasis on the mental health side of it as well. <clears throat> so I've done an interview for BBC and then they fucking grabbed me at the end of the game as well. Like, oh, we'll just get your thoughts after. I was like, whoa. I was like, okay. Um, so I report, we're going to be on a report in Scotland on Wednesday. And then I believe there's going to be a further feature on the nine. At nine on... BBC Scotland as well. Did they cover? Did was the game on the telly? There was a cameraman there, but they never. They it was they they got someone to live stream it on Facebook. Oh right, because I was, was I didn't actually manage to catch the game yesterday, so I was wondering if we could go back on iPlayer and watch it. But I'll uh, I'll tune in a report in Scotland and um the other one on is it on Friday nine o'clock something like that Wednesday Wednesday a half set so the news on Wednesday. Um, and then the <clears throat> I believe it's part of like a feature on the nine on Wednesday night. Aye. So it was good. It was really good. Like the league's been the league's been quality. We've made some really good guys through it. The team we've got, we were like I said, we keep, we got the coach down, and you would think after the game it'd be quite deflated, but a few cans, everybody sort of livened up. We went back to the hub at uh, at the Gale, and we just sat in there for a good I don't know. Six seven hours after the game, but it was it was a good day. It was quality. Obviously disappointing that we didn't win the league, but when we started a year ago, like a lot of these teams have been together for four, five, six years. It's like the FFIT stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so these teams have been together for years, and you can tell for the standard. Like if they weren't the, like guys weren't the as big as what they were in terms of like mobility, then they'd still be playing at a, a semi decent level. Um, 
So aye, disappointing, but aye, we tuck our shinies in and we go again for next season. Tuck your belly then. Yeah, or the or Porksmith, as you like to call us. <laughs> Porksmith. <laughs> That's a better by the way. <laughs> so aye, moving on. Um, obviously breaking news hit yesterday that uh, it is in fact not Lee John Sin anymore, it's Lee John Sout. Uh, ben Kinsel, Ian Gordon, I'm assuming, take the decision to relieve Lee, Jamie McAllister and Adam Owen of their positions. Uh, had Liam, what was your first reaction when you when you seen the news? wasn't surprised, to be honest. Um, I think if it was me in charge, I maybe would have given him a little bit more time. Um, but I think when when you know the the Johnson get to fuck was ringing round Easter Road on Saturday, I feel like that maybe forced the board's hand a little bit. Um, no, I wasn't I wasn't completely surprised. I've I've gone on record on this pod quite a few times now saying that you no, know, I would if it was me in charge, I would back him. Um, I don't see the point in getting rid at the moment. But obviously the Hibs board think, you know, three games in, it's still early enough to make a change and and have an impact on the season. So hopefully, hopefully it happens. But yeah, I wasn't surprised at all. No, we have been quite vocal on the pod about, we felt that there was something there with Johnson. When I'd done a super scoreboard before the Aston Villa game, and I said, you know, even though the league performances had been poor before that, you know, I felt the Luzerne home and away performances showed that that was mm-hmm. near. Because there was reference to, you know, are the players playing for the manager? And those two performances didn't seem like players who wouldn't have been playing for the manager. Um, Sean, on Saturday, obviously, put his, we put the team out. When I seen it, I was like, he's, as, as, like, I couldn't understand the team that he put out as if he was trying to prove a point. Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter recently about Hamlin and Stevenson, they were both dropped. Riley Harbottle came in. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you thought of the team, but when you look at it in hindsight, it was almost as if he was trying to say, like almost put me in my misery. That's what I took from it. Anyway. Yeah, we were me and my mates were obviously at my mate's wedding at the weekend and um when the team came out it was more among some of the boys' celebration that Hanlon and Stevenson weren't in the lineup at the time. Um, and then it was a case of going further down the team line and then being like, oh, oh, all right. So, like, it just didn't really add up. It didn't make sense. I think with everything that's happened in the league in the last couple of weeks and the the tactics or the performance that we had against Aston Villa, albeit obviously a far superior side, it was a bit strange to see the lineup initially. Um, and we were, I wasn't overly surprised at, at the result either, not necessarily because of the team selection. I did think the team selection was very strange, um, but because of what's happened so far this season and because of the team selection, I wasn't overly surprised when we went 1-0 down and then 2-1 and 3-1. Yeah, Liam, you made reference to the, and I think I said it to you at the time, 
Um, obviously, I don't sit next to you, but we're messaging. And how quickly and how loud that Johnson get to fuck chant was as soon as <laughs> Livingston scored. It was, it was almost like the East at the same time started that. I think the right as soon as as soon as something like that happens, the writing's on the wall. See, I know you've like I said, we've kind of been more John Sin than John South over the piece. But mm-hmm. can you could you put your finger on where you think it's went wrong? If you if you had to pick one area that you feel that Johnson has failed at, what would it be? Um, defending balls in from the right hand side. Um, I mean it's. I don't know, I, I just don't know what he was going over them in training with because, you know, for all the goals that we've conceded this season, I think someone said that we've conceded about 20 goals, over 20 goals already this season, you know, three league games and a handful of Europe games in, and the vast majority of them have come from crosses from our right-hand side. I mean, more, uh, no, sorry, two of the three goals um, on Saturday were crosses from our right hand side third one kind of a ball over from I mean it ended up on our right hand side but you know it didn't start there but um, yeah. I think in terms of fan perspective though Craig I think there was a lot of supporters that um, were checked out after the back to back derby defeats the 3-0 derby yeah. defeats um, and to be honest it's it's I think it takes uh, a very strong will to to look beyond that. I'm not saying I've got a strong will, but I think it, 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 if you if you're not winning the fans back after after that, really, I mean, the best he was going to hope for was maybe getting half of them or three quarters three quarters of the fan base back on side. And I don't think he ever really kind of had the consistency to to put. You know, a, a string of results together. Thankfully, we actually managed to finish in a European spot last year, thanks to some good results that were dotted throughout the season. But in all honesty, I think if I could put it down to one thing, it's got to be a lack of consistency. Surely, um, there was no well, new manager got... bounce. There was yeah. there was nothing really like that. When he got the job, obviously, it was told we were told about the streaky league stuff, like he's. Just as likely to go on a five-six game winning streak as it is to a five-six game losing streak. You could go out and pump somebody six 0 You could go out yourself and subsequently get pumped six 0 Yeah. Um, Sean, I'm quite. I want to bring something to you, right? Because I know that you obviously you do coaching, but you've coached, um, like not just kids, like you've actually coached teams at older age levels. Um, and because I've done it as well, the one thing that I've sort of noticed massively at the start of the season as the so if I just take the two home games in isolation in the league, so St Mirren and Livingston when you watch St Mirren and Livingston, right in their technical areas Stephen Robinson, uh, Stephen Robinson and David Martindale are constantly almost at the edge of their technical area, constantly talking, communicating, whatever it is they're, they're no barking, shouting, screaming but they're constantly talking, communicating, coaching, in-game coaching, in-game management. After Livingston scored on Saturday, Johnson sat on his arse for about 20-25 minutes and didn't move. He'd done it against St Mirren as well. He stood with his hands in his pockets, doing nothing. 
I still think that at that level of football, you need in-game coaching because certain patterns can develop during a game and it's up to you to spot it and try and do wee bits and bobs. But not only did Lee Johnson sit on his arse, McAllister, Owen and David Gray were just non-plus. They didn't move. Um, which for me, I, I felt is actually quite cowardly because Riley Harbottle was absolutely toiling in that first half. It was, it was actually, at one point I put in the group chat, like, he's absolutely fucking murder. And then on reflection, I looked at it at half time and I thought, nah, he's just been completely hung out to dry. Where do you stand on the, I'm not, like, it's not about shouting and screaming and showing passion and all that all the time. But surely when your team's in the trenches, you're the leader, you need to be out there trying to drag them out of it as much as you can without actually being able to directly affect the decision making on the ball. Yeah, I think regardless of the quality of either the opposition or the quality that your team possesses, any manager that's worth their salt will be on the edge of that technical area and coaching any or all of their players through the game. And as the the game transitions into different periods and different aspects of the game, depending on what's going on. Like you said, you need to be able to, as a manager or even a coaching team, be able to identify what's going on and adapt during the game. I've not seen a lot in Lee Johnson's tenure that filled me with confidence in regards to his tactical awareness or his in-game management throughout his whole tenure. Um, So I wasn't I'm not surprised at what you're saying. I think maybe at the weekend, similar to the point that you made about the team selection, at that point he might have just known that, you know, that was his jotters and that was going to be his last game. I'm not saying that that's an excuse because you should still be doing a professional job right to the end regardless. But maybe that third goal was, you know, what broke the camel's back. I think if you look across any level of of top football in any league, other than... I don't know, when Ange was taking the piss last season and he was still at the edge of the technical area, balling and screaming and coaching in-game. You look at like Pep or you look at Arteta, for example, they are known for being at the edge of the area and just screaming and balling the whole time, rightly or wrongly, how they conduct themselves. Even at that level, a player and level of coaching, it's still going on throughout the whole 90 minutes plus whatever added on. So... I am a big fan of being able to hear and see your coaching team and your manager throughout, and I do think it does play a massive, massive, massive part. And I think in our league, in Scotland, we need to try and maximise any opportunity we can get to be the best in any aspect of a 90-minute match, because other than the old firm, anybody from those other 10 teams or nine teams could beat us and we could beat them. So we need to be on the ball throughout the whole 90 minutes. And because we don't have the quality of player to be able to do that in-game on the pitch themselves, we need to rely on the management team or the manager to be able to do that. Um, And again, it just comes back to my point about him or me feeling like he's not necessarily been tactically aware or able to change the game for the better um, for the majority of his reign. Is that where you would say, would you say that's where you think he's fell down as well? He's sort of I, tactical awareness and he's ability think to yeah. analyse in games. 
Yeah, I think that's that's huge. It's mind, <clears throat> sorry, it's mind-boggling though because he came to us after managing what 450 games in his career. So how has he got that? How how did he manage to get that far with being? I mean, and listen, I don't know what to stick the boot in here. The, the fella's just lost his job, and you know he was very nice when he spoke to us um, on episode 32 uh, pinned on um, on YouTube. You can go and watch it if you like. Um, but how has he managed to get that far with without because see his whole time at Hibs, I don't think he and it seems very trivial in the in the the, the kind of whole grand scheme of things of being a manager or a head coach, but it's in the, it's in the name, manager, head coach. You've got a coach and you've got to manage. So how can you do that sitting on your arse in the dugout and not giving your team instruction on the pitch? Um it, it baffles me, to be honest, and how he managed to get that far. And if he's been like that at Sunderland and Bristol City and uh, wherever he's been before, then it seems it seems mental that he's actually managed to get this far. But I think what we've seen is that what we've ended up with, you know, by yesterday when he lost his job, um, is what Sunderland fans said, is what Bristol City fans mm-hmm. said. Is what Barnsley fans, I think he was at Barnsley, and maybe like, was it maybe Oxford United or something where he was? Barnsley, was, Barnsley was Heckenbottom, I think. No, Heckenbottom took over at Barnsley from Johnson. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, my, so, my most humble what, apologies. What we've, um, what we've ended up with is what they said we were going to get. We were going to get mm. baffling press conferences. Um. RIP to the Monday Sharks. That I'll never I tell you what, that is even the though, most. Even though it wasn't a quote while he was at Hibs, because he was the Hibernian manager at one point, that will that will forever remain my favourite favourite ever comment from a manager. Well, I hope so because it's now been immortalised in a flag <laughs> that was. That is not even not, I was meant to pick up. I was I was meant to pick it up today, but I was I was too upset to go. So um, it's still in the shop. I need to go and I need to go and collect it. The one thing that baffles me in terms of so, and this sort of opens up a bit more rather than just Johnson, but as the manager, it sort of falls on Johnson's shoulders. So the the assistant coaches, so McAllister, Owens, and Gray. Um, I'm not sure what sort of level of career Adam Owens had as a player, but he's clearly very qualified. As a coach, um, you know, he's, he's coached at a lot of teams all over the world that are quite high level. I think he was the, like a technical director at Let's Poznan. He was a sort of head of youth development, maybe at Toronto or Vancouver Whitecaps, something like that. So he's he's been about. What baffles me is that we have, we had, sorry, two coaches on the coaching staff that used to be fullbacks, yet were absolutely shy at defending any yeah. ball that comes up back area and I've seen it I've seen it said that David Gray isn't actually responsible for defensive coaching he's the set piece coach which we were that's just as bad set pieces after Celtic last season but to me like if surely as a former fullback you should be leaning on that experience as much as possible especially in an area at right back that we've now played four we've played nine games and we've played four players in that position. And it doesn't even just go back to the summer. This goes back to January last year when Will Fish was thrown under the bus 
at Tynecastle as well. Yeah. I think I see we've used about eight or nine players in the right back position since Johnson took over. Is that a play on Johnson and the coaching staff though, or is that showing you that the players that is playing in that position aren't good enough? Well, we've only had two specialised right backs in that time in Cadder and Miller. So you're looking at an extra he played Del mm. Ferrier, who's a centre midfielder, who by the way I thought was probably the Hub's best player on Saturday. Played pretty um, well. No, the bars the bars not really high for that particular game, but came with Canal Meg was just coming through, um, who I feel has actually, even despite his height, has played his best football perhaps that I've seen as a centre back. Um he put Riley Harbottle out there on, on Saturday and it was it was such a shame. Like he came off um, and as he walked around, it was not long after Livingston had scored their third. And you'd expect uh Ken regardless of handshake to the manager or whatever, Ken. But he just stood and had a go at him. And if I can see that in the famous five where I sit, folk in the East can certainly see it. And the folk that sit on the dugout side of the West would have seen it. And that again, just straight that's that's poor man management. I mean, we've all kind of heard wee bits and pieces that come out for the club. You know, we had that thing in the, in January where a couple of players and then all of a sudden three or four players got shipped out the door. Um, obviously, you've got this situation with Jair who's just completely disappeared off the face of the earth from what it seems even with the development squad. I've seen him on Saturday, actually. Oh, was he, he was, on Saturday? Yeah, he was there. He was in his full orange tracksuit. I, I, I was there I well early. Last week as well. So he is alive. He is there, yeah. And he still has dreadlocks. He's sad. He still kind of looks like a cartoon. Well, maybe he's he's somebody that can benefit for this. For this deed. Ultimately, I, I feel that we've made the right decision. Um, as much as we supported Johnson, I think it was, I think we supported Johnson, not necessarily for him, but more because the three of us we're just bored shitless here changing managers that's, all the time. That's exactly what I was going to ask you, Craig, when you'd finished that. We're, I don't think we as a, as a group were necessarily backing the manager. It was just backing the club and wanting the club to get an appointment right and not yeah. wanting mm-hmm. to have to restart the process again or have to go through the whole rigmarole of paying off a manager not even halfway into their contract and then we have to restart the wheel again after spending so much money. Well, I'm um, glad Mark's not here tonight because he would have spent about fucking 15 minutes talking about Barry Robson and Stephen Naismith and all the rest of it and how they're resetting and all that. But, you know, at least they've got points on the board this season. Eh? So it's maybe, uh, it's maybe good. I do think it's amateurish that we're four days away from the window shut and three days away and we're not going to... So you, and then we've just spent like 700 grand on a striker as well. What if the new, new guy comes in and doesn't like... That type of player, you know. What See, this is this is the thing though, because sport. how much influence in modern football nowadays does? I know the manager will probably always need to have the final say, but how much influence does the manager have in identifying the problem areas, identifying who needs to come in and stuff? If that's no, all I, done by I, no, but if, what I'm saying is that's all done by a recruitment team, right? then why does it matter who's in charge if that person who's coaching those players isn't identifying and bringing in those own players? And I know that being a manager is a very tough gig. 
you can't do everything. It's, this isn't football manager. It's not FIFA. Like this is real life. How I just don't see where like how that kind of links together. You need to get the right person in. And how is the right person not been the right person for the last three or four appointments? So I think it's been scattergun in terms of recruitment and the identification of coaches as well. I mean, if you look at it in the last across the last four managers, we've had two owners, three CEOs, two or three sporting directors, a technical director. Like it's just been constant change. And I do think that what you're saying about, you know, identifying players and just coach them and manage them. But if you wild example, but if you if in the running for the job you've got Ange Postecoglou, right? And you've got Derek so we'll say Derek McInnes, right? The type of football that Ange wants to play will require a certain profile of player versus the type of football that McInnes would want to play, and that would require a certain profile of player. So looking at our squad just now, if if Ange, right, if Ange was to be the one getting his job, he likes to play a very aggressive front foot, high pressing style of football. Our midfield doesn't suit that whatsoever. Regardless of how much you can, you can I don't think you can coach that into someone if they don't already have the necessary attributes for it. Likewise with McInnes, he likes strong runners, strong wide players. He likes a big man, little man combination up front. He likes his midfield to be solid. Again, right now, we do not have that particular profile of player. And so are we going to need to look at our squad and base our management appointment on who we've got in, in the building at the moment because we're about five minutes left of the transfer window. I feel like it's it's a horrible time for someone to take this job because yeah. if they take the job, then, you know, I mean, if they would need to take it in the next 24 hours to even get one, maybe two players into the building. And even then, I feel like that would be a massive, massive stretch. So whoever takes this job is going to have to look at this squad before they take it. It's like taking a job mid-season, I suppose. Eh? You need to look at that squad and think, is there something I can do with that group of players? And can, can I we should then out? be, in turn, looking at the managers who like, we can't just bring in someone who who wants to play attacking football. We can't just go on that. We need to we need to suit the management appointment to what we've got in the building so that we can actually play that way and we can get results because that's that, I mean the main thing at the end of the day. If someone comes in, doesn't have the players to play their style of play, is forced to play something different, then they're going to be at the door by Christmas anyway. And then we're do, back at square one again. Yeah, what I do, Sean, I don't know if you agree with me, but what I do think this shows is that, like I said, that we didn't necessarily back Johnson individually. We backed the club to try and give time to get that, the sort of appointment right and see if given that sort of period of longevity would help. What I think we've seen from, so from when Ross got sacked and then Maloney got sacked, the club clearly didn't have a forward and still doesn't have a forward plan in place. Otherwise, why is David Gray taking charge of Thursday and Sunday? If you see at any time a manager down south gets sacked, it's almost like the manager sacked at nine o'clock 
and by 11 o'clock they're appointing a new manager. So I don't know if we... It doesn't really work like that up here though. But why shouldn't it? It, it, the thing is, it should though, because clubs talk about having plans in place. I, I remember the Hearts documentary that came out, and they spoke on that documentary that any club that is aware at any point that their manager could either be sacked or leave, they should always be aware of what's going on outside of their club and what managers are or are not available. And I strongly believe that that is something that Hibs should have in place if they haven't already, especially from learning from previous mistakes, with obviously like either sacking Ross too early or Hecky too early or Maloney even appointing him in, in general. Even going back to that, it took us ages to appoint Jack Ross from sacking Heckenbottom as well. So I think as a club, if it's run properly and outside of Hibs, the press and everyone and, and Hibs like to big themselves up at how well they're doing off the field. That is something that the club should be looking to do off the field and be strong at. The same with the players. They always go on about recruitment and how you should always have two or three available for each position. If you can't get your first target, you get your second and you've got like a loan set up. So if we can't get them, we can go in and just get the loan. It should be the same for managers. And if the club is getting run as, as, as well as the club like to say that it is off the field, excluding obviously what's going on right now, they should have had three, four or five names set up that it maybe spoke to off the record at the moment and then pulled them in yesterday or today. And whether that be people that are close to the club, whether it be Neil Lennon, for example, or whether it be Scott Brown and Stephen Whitaker as a duo or whatever, and then we can look further afield. I'm just using them because they both know the club and they've been around the club and they know what the club means to the support. Yeah. I think well, it would be... It would, you, can talk, you can talk all day, Sean, about plans in place and stuff. And I agree wholeheartedly about plans for your playing staff, but for coaching staff and stuff, it's, I think it's a wee bit different. If it came out that Hibs were tapping up managers whilst Lee Johnson was still in charge, it really wouldn't reflect well you would on only, the club at all. You'd only be doing that part, like, like the upcoming hours before the sacking. What I mean is that a club that is run properly, and it'll happen at all the top clubs across Europe, They'll know the profile of manager they'll want and they'll know what type of manager they need to go and get. So if a manager is sacked or leaves or gets appointed a new job or needs to go and garden and leave or if something happens, they already know who's available at that time in the market. Yeah, I completely agree with that and I completely think that we should be looking at certain profiles of managers instead of going for someone all because they... You know they they talk well. You know our last few managers have had the gift of the gab, and you know none of them have really pulled up trees in terms of results or actually getting us anything. Um, I don't I don't know. It's it's difficult. I'll go back to your point, Craig, about the you know the English Premier League clubs being able to you know sack their manager on a Monday and get a replacement done for a, a Tuesday tea time. I don't think it it can work like that up here. You know, Hibs isn't a massive pool for. For managers, I don't think you know. You look at somewhere oh, in the English nah, Premier League, and I disagree with that. No, but you look at the English Premier League, and everyone is jumping at the chance to to manage there. You know, you can you can see what what kind of stepping stones can lead to there. I think Hibs have to do not, and it's not 
you know, a slight on Hibs. I just think that there's a, a wee bit more convincing required to get these really good managers. I think if we would if we'd have went for for someone, I mean, we probably could have had Neil Lennon in the door today, or we could have had someone else in the door today. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right fit. I, I think we need to do a, a wee bit more in-depth research with the, the the people who are available to us. Because if you look at like a Brighton or you know Fulham or whoever is changing their manager recently, you know they'll know who's available and they'll they'll not really need to say to them twice. Like they'll be able to get someone in nice and easy. That's we we can still do that though. That's what we're talking about with like future planning. Like you can still look at the mark like at any time, like Sean says. If Johnson was to have been extremely successful and then got poached, we should have had someone lined up to replace him. And it works the other way. It's not necessarily about tapping up, but players these days, even can the amount of talking that will go forward between players and agents, all it would need to say is, you know, Johnson last week, the board are getting a bit triggered. They go and speak to somebody and they go, we'll just put the feelers out and just see if. You know, just... We're no saying that we didn't. That, that, would have ha- that will have happened 100%. Uh, so that will have happened. We're no, we're, no, we're no wanting to officially make an offer or anything like that. Just would you would you be interested, I don't know. And I don't doubt that that's happened. Um, but it's still, it still seems like, you know, we've got the Aston Villa game for me, the right off. I'd send a development squad in. I couldn't give a fuck what the final score would be. Um, mind that time that the Aston Villa reserves had to play against Liverpool because of COVID. And I uh, they got to do it. But some experience getting to play against the Van Dykes and the Salas and the Andy Robertsons and all that, that'd be the same for the sort of fringe boys here. I mean, moving, I don't really want to labour about Johnson for too much because he's now, yesterday's news, um, he was really, really good with us in the time that we spent with him when we've done the podcast. I know Mark's bumped into him a few times in the in the album bar as well. And he's, you know, he's always had a lot of time for Mark and talking about the podcast and that, so we do wish him well. For me, anyway, there's no ill will towards him. It just didn't work out. Um, and so I've asked I've asked the lads to come up with three names, so like a realistic, semi-realistic, and then an almost left-field slash fantasy. But looking at the the odds uh, on McBookie, the current favourite for the, for the job is Lennon. So Neil Lennon's a favourite. And then I'll just I'll just quickly run down the list of names that it says. So it's uh, Neil Lennon, and then Scott Brown, Derek McInnes, Stephen Robinson, David Gray, Danny Cowley, John Kennedy, Kevin Thompson, Malcolm McKay, Nick Montgomery, Chris Wilder, and then Steve Evans. And then it kind of goes into folk like Marvin Bartley, Ian Murray, uh, Callum Davison, James McPake, Kettle Knutson, Michael O'Neill, Reese McCabe, and then Tam McManus in at 100 to 1. Um, but what I don't I, I don't know about you, but Lennon is just a no go for me. Um, I know yeah. people say that we were we were extremely successful, and he's got one of the best win percentages. Um, caveat in that we are season in the championship, which is, I think is important to say, and still drew so many more games that we should have won. He, you could argue that it was good management or he got lucky with the midfield three that we had for the second half of the is it eight, seven, 18, no, 17, 18 season um, with McGinn, McGeoch and Allen and then Camberry and McLaren up front. Out with that, it was 
mediocre, especially the start of the following season when the arse just fell out of it. And he's clearly been working his ticket to go back to Celtic because a couple of weeks later, Rogers that was the same thing. Rogers left in the morning and Lennon was in by the afternoon. Yeah. Um so I, I don't know about you, but for me, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be keen on getting Lennon back for a second yeah. stint. Not not for not, me. I, I, not I enjoyed, for me. No. I enjoyed Neil Lennon's time immensely. But when I say his time, I mean that six months and the fact that he was a manager when we had the trip to Greece for Tripoli. So yeah. I'll always hold him in high regard and, and love him for that aspect of it. But the football sort of the majority of the football that we played in the championship was eye bleeding to watch. Didn't enjoy yeah. it. Too many draws. I know it's a tough league to get out of and we've seen it at times. That's why you kinda need to play a certain way. But then when I was going like especially home and away those seasons and then the season after that as well, prior to the whole like sacked, not sacked, left, didn't leave kind of nonsense, he completely chucked it towards the end of that season. And if we had a better manager in place or a better man manager in place, we wouldn't have finished what did it end up being fourth? I think. When a good a good manager of that squad goes away to Aberdeen and gets a result or and then goes to Tynecastle and gets the result and then doesn't need to go into the final game against Rangers needing to win by five goals to get into Europe. So he did yeah. to an extent get lucky but we need to remember that the majority of his recruitment along with the recruitment that we've seen since then it was dreadful at both his ins and outs there was a lot of players that didn't work so not, not for me I think see but, if we were looking at the final you know the final portion of the season after January maybe like March to May I think Neil Lennon could be a shout just as like a caretaker give him the job, see how it goes. If it goes well, then keep him on. If it doesn't, then, you know, find someone else at the end of the season. But I think at this point of the season, Neil Lennon, for me, doesn't seem like the right choice. I know for a lot of Hibs fans, he probably will be the right choice. And it's, I can see where they're coming from. I enjoyed those two games, you know, against Kelly and Rangers as well. But uh, for the rest of it, it was like Sean, like you say, Sean, it was it was pretty eye bleeding. Um, it was poor, very poor at times, and I think it is it is really clouded. It is clouded by that six month period, and you know that six month period was great. But if he if he'd kept it up for the two and a half years that he was in the job, then I would be saying get Lennon in immediately. But yep. he didn't, and I don't think at the moment, looking at this squad of players he'd be able to recreate that kind of form, um, which I think would then leave a a better taste in, you know, more or less the whole hub support's mouth. I think we should steer clear of going back and maybe look ahead. Uh, I say it every time, and, you know, the, the manager's gone in six months, but I think we yeah. should look ahead instead of, instead of looking back, certainly. No, I agree. I think for me, when... What we need to be looking for is an overachiever. Someone who's achieved a relative level of success, but I, I, I don't think that we should be looking at anybody who has 
recently managed in England, but has zero experience of managing in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for for my my realistic option, I'd probably look to go for Stephen Robinson. Um, I mean, he's you he, he kind of thought when he left Motherwell to go to Morecambe, and you're thinking oh, that's a bit of a jump. And then he's came back up to St Mirren, but he's you know he's done wonders with that St Mirren team, got them in the top six last season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're point to prove you know what could he do with a bit better resources. You know, you've got players like. The recruitment's been good. You know, they've got players like Marco Hara, Keanu Bacchus, who've done really well for them, Brian Strain at right back as well. There's three names I've just plucked who, yeah. if we were in for them, you'd probably be like, That's, I quite like the sound of that. Um, sorry, my, my realistic option would be Stephen Robinson. Sean, what about you? Um, I completely agree with the points that you've made before you obviously said the name that you said, and I'm going to then contradict all of that. I had this conversation with one of my mates because he's been Johnson out since Johnson got the job. And I was like, so I said to him, well, what what are the club then going to do? We sacked Lee Johnson, right? And then we've had so many managers in a short period of time, so we're not as appealing as other places. So you're either going to go down south to someone that doesn't have experience up, up here, you're then going to have to buy out Derek McInnes or Stephen Robinson, which the club, depending on how much their club asks for, we might not want to do because of the contract that we've just had to pay off. And then you're left with the likes of a random from abroad or Australia who has no experience in the league. And then the other options are your Marvin Bartley's, your Ian Murray's, your Scott Brown, stuff like that as well, that may know the club but maybe just aren't at that point in their journey. Um, and with all that being said, my preferred option would be Nick Montgomery. Um, That's, I that, between, that was between Robert, it was between him and I, I, And the reason why I, I wanted to say everything that I just said is because when I was having that conversation with my mate, I found it hard to then say to him who I wanted to replace the job because ideally you do want that experience in Scotland, but you also want a good tactically aware manager and you want to have a good man manager I watch a lot of and always have watched a lot of the A-League and been involved with Australian football and stuff like that Um, I keep up to it because my family's over there and they're into it and everything like that and I was impressed with what Nick Montgomery's done over there I think he, for us, I think that our next manager needs to be a phenomenal man manager and be able to be on that level with the players to just get every single inch out of them very similar to what like Martin Dale does with Livy obviously I'm not comparing the two but from a man management style and I think Nick Montgomery would be able to do that I don't think it's you only out- need to look at what he's done with Jason Cummins and I think that's where probably the Hibs fans out with you will probably make that connection and that they'll see it that that's he got Cummins when he was doing nothing going absolutely nowhere and he's completely turned his into a World Cup. The thing is that 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 squad exactly. that he had as well shouldn't have been anywhere near fighting for the well not the title because obviously City won that, but the actually overall grand grand winners they should have been nowhere near that. But from a like on paper from a quality perspective, but his recruitment he's willing to take a chance on players like Cummins and there's other players in that team that he's took a chance on and he's been able to get them to gel together. So not only is he tactically aware of what he needs, but his man management skills are, especially in the last kind of year or two, have been phenomenal to be able to squeeze every inch out of every single player that he's that he's managed. 
And I think considering what we've had since probably Stubbs or what we've not had since Stubbs is someone who can properly, consistently man-manage a squad of players to get the best out of them. Yeah. I tell you what, you've sold me. You've sold me, Sean. Get him in. Get him in. Bobby Gilliam. I think, well, I think we know who yours is going to be. Because it's kind of um, like we've kind of named like the three three options that are the most realistic ones. Of, well, yeah, I think I was I was I was thinking a lot about it earlier on, and I said it in the chat. I think we need someone who can come in and make us strong, uh, defensively good, hard to beat. We need to, in turn, make Easter Road a bit of a fortress because if we're setting our sights on finishing third or you know, finishing in any sort of European place this year, we need to make sure that we win the majority of our home games. And, you know, at, at the moment in the league, we've won zero out of two. So it's not it's not great reading. Um, I feel dirty saying it, but I think Derek McInnes is maybe, maybe the way to go. Um, his Aberdeen side, though not pretty at times, were hard to beat. They were successful consistently with and without Rangers in the division. Um, you know, getting to finals, finishing, you know, consistently third, um, second, of course, when Rangers weren't here. I think uh, he's got a good eye for a player. He's shown that at both Dons and now at Kelly. He's, I think he's kicked on um, the wee man, Danny Armstrong. To, to another level um, and I think there's probably a, a few players that he could have his eye on at Hibs that he could then kick on I think for sure though it's it's the being difficult to beat we just need someone to, to show us up at the back, we need to be resolute and we've not shown that in our, our, our last few managers, we've got the attacking threat to punish any team on our day but looking back on it defensively we just aren't at the level that six seven eight of these premier league uh, these premiership teams are which is embarrassing to say you know that you look at your mother wills your st Murns, teams like that and you think we could go and poach a few of their players and they would walk right in like to the defense defensive side anyway so we need someone to to show us up uh, and I think Derek McInnes could be the man. But after what Sean said, I'm throwing all my eggs in the Nick Montgomery basket. I just well, had to say yeah. something to fill out the pod. Uh, I think McInnes is now seen as a, sna- a safe option. There is a lot of snobbery from Hibs fans. When it and I've been like... guilty of it. I've been guilty of it yep. for the last few times where Derek McInnes' name has been in the hat. And whether we've actually been interested or not or it's just been an easy link for the bookies I mean you'll never know but um, I've always been one of those I'm like oh McInnes ball at Aberdeen was dreadful to watch but even I think at the moment we just need to win at all costs and what does that say to you that we're that I'm thinking that Derek McInnes might be the the man to take Hibs forward that shows you how sorry a state we are in right now Thank you the thing for us is that we need to be hard to beat and we need to be hard to score against and right now we're very easy to beat and very easy to score against and there's still this sort of mythical the Hibs way that's 
you know, fighting for Roma for the Brazilians how to play football back in the 19 canteens. We need to just start picking up points. We need to have some degree of success. McInnes was unlucky that it was a Rogers Celtic the first time around that he came up against. So I think I think to be realistic, we've got three very credible options. All probably have bring their pros and cons. Um, what about your semi-realistic minds is going to be Big Arnie, Graham Arnold, the Australia coach. I think he's been one of these guys that's been linked to a move across to Scotland, England for a few years. You know, again, probably with a link to Cummins. You know, Cummins speaks very highly of him. He seems like he's somebody who's very sort of, you know, there's no shades of grey with him. It's right down the middle. And again, I think that's what we would need. But whether he would give up a cushy sort of international job in his six days to come and take over at Hibs, I don't know, but he'd be my sort of semi-ish realistic one. Uh, Liam, what about you? I was thinking about this as well, and there's a few semi-realistic. I think it's probably more than semi-realistic, but with the job that he did last season, um, it seems weird that he's now not in a job now. But Darren Moore from uh, from Sheffield Wednesday um, did an incredible job with Wednesday last season. Um, you know, I kept quite a close eye on League One last year um, because my boss is, he's a posh fan and I've been keeping my eye on, on Peterborough and seeing how they're doing. And they came up against Wednesday in the playoffs in the semi-finals and posh were four up after the first leg and Wednesday ended up going through. And I think that sort of steel and determination was something that was a staple of Wednesday last season. And you look at the players they've got it's not a team of world beaters. Um, it was a team of you know players that would probably walk into to most teams in the Scottish Premiership, but would probably find it um, their level up here. So I think that Darren Moore's maybe got that kind of that determination. I don't know an awful lot about him as a man manager, um, going based purely off the of results uh, that happened last season. But um, listen, I think. I think it's it's maybe a little bit weird that how he how he left Weds um, at the end of last season, start of this season, but I think he could be a shout. I think he's on the list as well, on the, on the yeah. bookies list. I don't think his brand of footballs as exciting, and I think he possibly falls into that bracket of you know having a long career in the English game without any sort of experience or exposure to Scottish football. Um, Sean, who's your Who's your one in the middle? I'll kind of link mine to like the dream one because I don't have like a like a dream dream like it's completely unachievable because the ones that I would want just aren't free and they're in jobs and stuff like that. So I'm not even going to waste the listeners' time by even saying it. So like my semi slash my dream one would be like Michael O'Neill because he's been linked. God knows how many times. I know he's back doing the Northern Ireland job, so like similar to um, the Australia manager, is he going to want to kind of give up that and then come back into management because he's done it with Stoke. The Bodo Glint manager, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because yeah, thank you very much. He's been linked about four occasions as well. Um, I don't think your hot dog won't be happy with that. I don't, I don't see that happening because he's turned down bigger 
jobs than Hibs to stay at Blogunt. Uh, so um, I would kind of like that one. But my other, my other one, which was kind of semi-realistic, or I think it could potentially be semi-realistic, would actually be Mark Warburton. Take that as you will. But um, I think he would do, I'd, whether he would take the Hibs job or not is probably a long shot. That and ruins know, that ruins so much, Sean. We could come up with. Surely a you've got song. to put I've, you've got to put the Warburton song first. Um, I think Over I know he was results. at Q, QPR last. I could be wrong. I think he's at QPR last. He's not in a job at the moment, to my knowledge, either. Um, he's probably trying to go up the ladder rather than maybe like a I side think, step further down. I think he is on the coaching staff at West Ham. Um, I know he's linked. I know he's been linked. Oh, was he not? I he, thought he was. He was, he's, but he left at the end of last season. He's been linked oh, with a Charlton job and snobbery. That's how the fans are shitting themselves. We're a, we're, a, we're, a, we're a bigger club than, than them, so um, if he's getting linked to jobs like that, why not can he get linked to us? I think the brand of football that he attempts to play and he tries to play and he's coaching would suit the club um, and suit the players that we have, but obviously... The, whether the fans would take to that or not, but I think it, I think it is probably a little bit more realistic than people think. Well, we'll put that out there. We'll, I'm saying nothing to that. I'll leave that to the Ramblers to. I'm saying absolutely fucking not. Get that so far to fuck, by the way. And then my final suggestion. So I've got three. Yeah, for the dream one, and it just goes against everything I said at the start. Um, but it would either be <clears throat> Big Sam. Neil Warnock or Chris Wilder. I thought Ian Holloway was going to be in there for a second. Chris Wilder, maybe because of this weird hearts connection that he's got. Um, but no, big big Sam. Imagine big Sam or Colin Warnock up here. Uh, no, Colin Warnock. That's his nickname. Colin not Warnock. Colin Is it no Colin Wanker or something? An anagram of his name's like Colin Wanker. Uh, aye, Neil Warnock. Uh, imagine name for the comedy value. Top. Top notch, especially Big Sam. Just we've just Sam. had a comedic, we've just had a comedic manager. I but Big Sam would be proper. He Johnson was funny, but no funny. He was your dad funny. Whereas Big <laughs> Sam was just funny. Big Sam's your uncle funny. Aye. <laughs> Aye. Aye. Big Sam Arlice is a fun uncle. What about you? Uh, for me, someone who I think is um, very tactically aware. Uh, I think he's had quite a lot of success in his coaching career so far. He knows the club. Um, he loves the club. So my dream manager is Sean Corrigan. Oh, well, I certainly would have done a better job than Lee Johnson, that's for sure. And I appreciate the compliment, Liam. Well, put your money where your mouth is then. I'm still waiting on uh, Ben Kendall getting back to me about the director of football job because he paid me about that one, so... <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll throw my name in that. I'll get uh, I'll get his number off you and I'll just bail him directly. So <laughs> just go straight to the source. Liam, I want to before we get into the listener questions and stuff like that, I want to just bring it back full circle. We spoke about Lee Johnson in great depth. We've also spoke about our preferred options in great depth. Um, I want to just bring it back a little bit and I want to talk to you about certain games within Lee Johnson's reign that kind of either summed it up, either bad or good, or where you think he lost the fans or where the tipping point was. Um, I'll let you 
go through your selections first and then we can kind of go through mine as well. Yeah, can I just preface this by saying that Craig had to jump off um, <laughs> unexpectedly. So um, it's just going to be me and Sean for the remainder of the podcast for our video and our audio listeners. Um, if you're wondering where on earth is Craig, um, he has disappeared off the face of the earth. But um, it's just going to be me, me and Sean. I think three games, Sean, and I think it shows you from one end of the scale to the other. The first one for me, and they're not in chronological order because I can't remember what came when. Um, the first one for me is the 6-0 win against Aberdeen at Easter Road. I feel like when Lee Johnson's back was up against the wall, that was one of the times where he showed a bit of defiance. He, he, showed, he showed great tactical ability. He picked the right team. He, he attacked the game in the correct way. And he could have put anyone in front of us on that day. And I think we probably would have beat them. Um, but for us to go and beat an Aberdeen side 6-0, I mean, regardless of how they were doing at the time, to beat an Aberdeen side 6-0 is... is a big achievement, really, because if if you if you flip it round, and if they'd have beat us six 0 they would be talking about it in in the same regard. But I feel like Lee Johnson, his back was up against the wall that day, and he completely powered through, and he showed that he had the minerals to to overcome any pressure. Now, completely contrary to that, um, we played Hearts at Easter Road in the Scottish Cup and his back was up against the wall that day as well after getting beat 3-0 away at Tynecastle in the league. We, at this point in the season, thought we only had the Scottish Cup really to play for. It didn't look like we were going to grab a European spot. Aberdeen and Hearts were both pulling away from us. This was before, you know, Hearts kind of went on their little blip towards the end of the season. Um, I think a lot of the support, Sean, were were expecting us if we were going to do anything that season it was going to have to be the Scottish Cup which you know given our history our long history with the Scottish Cup seems mental that you think our only chance of success is winning that so like the Aberdeen game his back was up against the wall and he completely flapped and it was a very very poor display I feel like at times we were able to maybe get back into the game, but there was, like his whole reign at manager, there was no consistency within the performance. There was high spots and low spots within those 90 minutes, and it, that was kind of shown across his whole tenure as Hibs manager, which is which is a shame, because I feel like, you know, well, I don't think we would have won the Scottish Cup, but you know, you, you look at, I think we, we we could have got a wee bit further, at least maybe got to Hamden, but I think it shows the contrast between when his back was up against the wall and when the pressure was on. Yeah, sometimes he thrived and other times he he sat in his chair and sulked and hid. Third game, um, 1-0 Hearts at home. I think that was when he started to get a lot of, fans back on side again you know it'd been a long time since we'd beaten Hearts and we'd gone through you know Maloney never beat them Jack Ross beat them did he I think 
but it wasn't the it wasn't in, like, anywhere near as recent. Yeah, so it was like what twenty nineteen. So we hadn't beaten them in what felt like you know a decade. And you know, regardless of how you look back on on his time as Hibs manager, that is one of the high spots. And I'm I know I highlighted the other two games about him being under pressure and all the rest of it, but if you want to look back on a good highlight, at least we got that win over Hearts. And it seems it seems trivial, you know, given the, the grand scheme of things. But no, I enjoyed that game. So I think that's um, all I've got to say. Before before I mention the three that that I want to touch on, I think it would be rude not to at least reflect on the fact that he wasn't ever starting off well with the support because there was a very strong indication that we were going to give the job to Yandel Thomason just before mm. Lee Johnson got like literally the day or two before it was all. You know, GDH this, GDH that, da 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 da, GDT, sorry, GDT, um, this and that, because it was, there was just an understanding that he'd been offered the job, he was getting it, he was coming in, he was getting his photos done, da da da, whatever. So then, whether that was happening in the background or not, from the fans' perspective, we went from this high, high profile ex player on paper, looked like it could be really, really good, and then we went down. Down, right, down, down to this absolute midget who has links with hearts and it just never started off well for him. And for him to then not take the League Cup as serious as it was, he didn't do himself any favours then either. And I wanted to just highlight that because I think that's probably where the support just didn't even get behind him right for the off. Uh, so he was always fighting a losing battle. And I think that one for me is on the board and not necessarily Lee Johnson. I think the board could have done more to get the right appointment then and get a better appointment to get the fans on board because the fans were losing love with Hibs after what happened with the, the Ross and, and Maloney incident. Um, touching on actual Lee Johnson's reign and the defining bits for me was the Dundee United defeat away where Kukurevich's goal that was onside got chopped offside and then the following week we went and got battered 6-1 by Celtic. I think yeah. that week there was really defining for him um, because a result that should have went in our way didn't go in our way. And then he tried to completely change his approach. And you probably should change your approach approach going away to Celtic, but he completely done the, op- done the wrong thing when he changed the approach. Then we started seeing the 3-5-2 and the 3 uh, the. 4-5-1 and everything like that and then it was just backs against the wall and that's where our first glimpse of Streaky Lee came in and we went on like 12 games 13 games and only got like one or two victories out of that um, so the fact that he hadn't started off on the right foot with the club uh, not the club sorry the supporters and then for him to go on such a, a long winless streak certainly didn't help Um I'm glad you touched on one of the Derby defeats because the other Derby defeat is my one, the one at the start of January. Is that because I took the one that you were going to talk about? Nah, I had back-to-back Derby defeats as defining because it's very, very hard for a manager to to survive that with the support anyway. I was very, very surprised that he kept the job. Like, Listen, I was surprised when the news came out the other day. Very, very surprised, but not because of what's going on at the club. 
just because of how much we've backed him and because of how quickly we've changed managers in the past, I didn't think the, the club had the balls to back him. And that's why I thought he survived at least the season because I thought the club just didn't have the balls to take the hit and say, listen, we got this one wrong again. But they've now done that. I think the the throwing the Will Fish under the bus incident at, at Tynecastle, the real inexperience shown from Lee Johnson, who's meant to be an experienced manager in such a high-profile game, again, just showed the Hibs support that he just wasn't able to, when needed, come up with the right team selection or tactical selection to get what we needed out of that match. And yeah. the, for me, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was the or tie away, or the straw with the fans anyway. Um, the scenes after that match, I know we got through and we, we battered them at home, but everything about that away tie just screamed the League Cup from the season before. I think it, yeah. at that point, Sean, it was starting to get a bit poisonous as well. Yeah. And I think I think the fans never really talk. took to Lee Johnson, but yeah. at that point it was starting to get like the relationship, the bridge was completely gone. Yeah. Completely agree, and that's why I picked that as my third one because I feel like at that point, that's where the club as a whole, excluding the support, has then maybe started to see that there wasn't a way back for Lee Johnson. Um, and I don't know why they didn't make the decision. Well, they probably didn't make the decision then because they were comfortable enough that we were going to get through. And then obviously with what's happened in the league matches and stuff like that, that's been the tipping point. But I think that match away in, in Andorra and the scenes that came after it really opened up the eyes of everyone else involved with the club because they were all over there. Um, Gordons were there as well. Obviously ben Kenzo was over there. They were in and amongst the support. So they would have seen everything that was going on. For me, that would have been the final one. Now, I know, Liam, that we, mm-hmm. after the news, we went out to listeners to obviously try and get their indication of what they were wanting. And you're going to, just quickly, before we go on to the Twitter questions anyway, just maybe list off some of the names, just to kind of see where the the listeners are in regards to who they want. Yeah, so I'll, I'll rattle through it, because we asked on Instagram and we asked on Twitter. So uh, I'll just jump through the Instagram responses now. Um, K-Rob says Mancini he wants him uh, Dino says Neil Francis Lennon Rudy says Lennon Peds says Luke Williams or Rude Van Nistelrooy now that is left field if I've ever seen it I'm not too sure where Rude Van Nistelrooy was last is it PSV was it I'm, sure it was. I'm sure it was PSV yeah and Luke Williams I've be. just been I've just been reliably informed that uh, he is not Notts County Manager. Yeah, or was not County, County Manager, I'm not too sure. Um, Scotty says, Bruni or Lenny? Mr Martin Corrigan says, Roy Keane, he'd sort it all out. Well, would they sort it out better than Sean would, Martin? That's uh, that's the, the main question. Um, Nige says, it has to be someone who knows the league, not an EFL journeyman, possibly Robinson. Hayden says, Lennon. Jake says we'd take Robinson or McInnes, even Lennon. Lucas says Robinson. Harvey says Lennon. Sean says not sure. Lennon, Brown, Robinson. We need to take our time on this appointment. I don't know if we've got time. the luxury of that, though, Sean. Yeah. Uh, Daniel says Lennon. And uh, another Daniel says Scott Brown. So that's an overwhelming... Um, <laughs> Majority for Neil Lennon, I think, on Instagram. 
um, on Instagram anyway. And let me just have a look. I can understand, though, just while you're getting the, the Twitter ones up, I can understand the rationale for it. And I think because of what has happened, which we've already touched on, I think a lot of people want someone involved now with the next role as manager to be someone that has either been at the club before or knows the club to try and take the club in the direction that we feel as a support should be going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Twitter, and I think Twitter is maybe a wee bit more of a mixed bag. We've got a couple more responses on Twitter than we did on Instagram. Hibs US says, I don't think the club has a plan, so we'd be best getting someone from the league already. McInnes, Robinson, uh, Martindale would all make us harder to beat, which is what we spoke about earlier on, That's, which yeah. is probably the biggest problem right now. Uh, Greavesy uh, says, Michael O'Neill, Stephen Robinson, Derek McInnes. One of those three would make sense. Liam says Robinson. Uh, Scottish Football Fans Forum has actually got in touch and said John Kennedy, Lennon or Martindale. Or try something different, go abroad and find a young head coach just looking for a break in the game. Not too sure that's the way to go. If you're looking at someone from overseas, I think they've got to have you know, a proven record like someone like Nick Montgomery, like Sean said earlier on. Stuart says, Ian Murray, why not? Stuart, you're blacklisted. Um, Kaiser Sozzi says, I'll take that guy that won the Scottish League Cup in 2014, finished Scottish Premiership, runners-up on four occasions and reached three other cup finals. Derek McInnes. Um, Rab says, what about the American coach from that documentary on the telly? <laughs> I'm not too sure he would go down very well in Leith, to be honest. He's got more Johnsonisms than Lee Johnson. don't think he would survive. Uh, Chris says McInnes or Robinson. Eddie says Dean Smith or Chris Wilder would get them going. I think that's maybe a wee bit of a stretch. Um, for our budget, but either Dean Smith or Chris Wilder probably would. Um, I think we need I think, us going. I think at this point in our history as a club, we need to take a punt on not a, not a punt in regards to their ability or their experience, but we need to take a punt on actually pushing the boat out for a manager and getting like a top top quality appointment and pay that extra money that is maybe needed. Because if you have a look back at our recent appointments, if you look at for Heke, for example, right, if you look at him now, could you imagine the job that he would have done if we had maybe backed him with the ma- the money that Johnson has been backed with instead of like, I know we got Joe Newell out of it, but like all the other players that we ended up signing for England that ended up not being good enough and getting moved on. I think if we, if we get the right appointment and we back him how we should have backed, or we should have backed how we backed Lee Johnson, I don't see why pushing the boat out a little bit more monetary-wise, especially in today's day and age, and the the monetary rewards of finishing third in potential group stage football or getting into European football, I don't understand why we shouldn't maybe take that risk and just maybe go for someone that's maybe needing a little bit more cash. I want us to make an appointment and our support to be like, fucking hell, that's a brilliant appointment. You want a sexy appointment, really. Aye. Like, you don't want... I mean, there's names that are getting thrown about... And don't get me wrong, I think McInnes would be a half-decent appointment to help us be hard to beat. He's not a sexy name. Steve Evans is not a sexy name. Darren Moore isn't a sexy name. Graham Arnold's a sexy name. I would love, like... Oregon's a sexy name. I would love, like, the reaction from a Hibs level. I would like the reaction that, like, Scottish football had when, like, Celtic appointed Brendan Rodgers the first time round. 
Because yeah. that was we were going into the Scottish Cup final at that point, and that had just been announced. And every, everybody in Scottish football was like, "Fucking hell, that's a huge appointment for Scottish football." I want Hibs to have their equivalent of that, where yeah. fans will automatically get behind them. And I think we would have had that with Yondal Thomas in, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But I want that kind of appointment. Roy Hodgson. We can go. Let's go. No, that'll definitely send them grave. That'll send them into a grave working for Hibs. <laughs> get big Roy Hodgson in. Um, just to jump back to the Oops, Twitter yeah. suggestions here, Thomas. Thomas says uh, 100% Lennon. Jordan has said Martindale or Rob's, uh, Robinson. I keep wanting to call him Robson because I'm reading it wrong. Uh, and I really hope I don't say Robson because I don't want Barry Robson in. Uh, Fizzle says Alan Johnston is available. Maybe not. Uh, Fraser says give it Martindale. Jason says McInnes. BT Wilson has said. Brian McDermott is intern and see how he does, you never know. It's the first it's the first shout I've seen. Um the obvious choice, Grant Stott, apparently, is the obvious choice. But Grant Stott actually replied to that and he has said uh, flattered, but it's a no, not saying never, but just not right now. <laughs> love that. So Absolutely I've got you to hear that. that, Grant, if you're listening. Um, Michael O'Neill Robinson uh, someone said Tam Quartz Callum Davidson Michael O'Neill Pep Guardiola not too sure if he's any relation to the Man City manager what's uh, what's you what what's Steve Keen up to that's uh, well no Steve Keen but the next one is Steve Clark uh, going to paper every Hibs who's next tweet with Steve Clark until some online momentum builds for it uh, Blake says Scott Brown. Gary says Martindale or Malky Mackay. I think we should still f- steer far, far away from Malky Mackay. Don't want a guy like him in at the club. Jimmy says I feel Lennon could do a job. And finally, Mr. Baitboy says only one man in my eyes has attached a picture of Craig Levine. Not too sure that would go down too well either. Will we move on to the questions? Yes, yes, Liam. Let's, let's move on to the questions. Let's, let's, let's. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. Right, you um, you went after them last last week, and I think, I don't think John has actually asked us what's for tea. I, didn't I don't see think one, he has. Didn't see one coming. Okay. I didn't see one coming. Maybe he's been a busy boy. Well, can, can we just say it anyway? Can we do it on behalf of him? He's not sent in, but I'll just say, Sean, John has asked, what's for dinner? What did I have for? I had a risotto. I had a risotto for dinner. I'm getting my, I'm getting my kitchen done this week, so I had to nip out and make my risotto elsewhere. Was it nice? It was delish. It was delish. What did you have in it? It was a oven baked bacon. And mushroom risotto. Sounds nice. It was. Right, wait until you hear this, by the way. I have had a fusion of Sean Corrigan and Mark Duncan and fused them together. Oh, no. And for my tea, I had plant-based shredded hoisin duck stir-fry. And how was it? It was. And I'm not even bullshitting. I'm not even trying to soak up Greta Thunberg's arse, but it was 
stupendous. It didn't taste like plants. It tasted like actual duck. I don't know. I said that to Megan. I was like, she was like, oh, stop trying to convince me. You're not going to become a fucking vegan, are you? I went, no, I'm just saying that I don't understand how they managed to get that tasting like actual hoisin duck. And it was very tasty. Where did, where did you get um, it from so we can all go out and purchase it and try it? I got it from Aldi's. It was right. frozen. Was that one of those frozen things, like one of the green boxes or something? Yeah, it was like in the green plant-based box, so it was completely yeah. vegan. High in protein as well. Oh. I said it last week, I'm trying to make a few more healthier choices with my with my diet, uh, with the wedding and that coming up. So, um, yes, it's... Uh, I wasn't looking forward to it when I was cooking it. But when I was eating it, I was like, this is actually banging. But you'll be buying it again? Probably. Probably. I'll maybe try another couple of um, of the Aldi's plant-based stuff. I was just like walking past it and I was because me and Megan are both on a sort of health kick at the moment. There's things that I like that, that Megan doesn't really like. So sometimes we need to have separate dinners. And I was looking at the frozen stuff just being like, oh, I wonder if there's a couple of things that I can pick up that, you know, I can just cook like, you know, whenever. And it not really be, you know, that too much of an issue because I knew I was coming on pod tonight. So I was like, I kind of need to have something easy. I picked one of them up and it was very, very, very tasty. And I think we've spoken too much about dinners, even though no one's asked us about fucking dinners. So, John, I'm actually really disappointed. I'm going to message him and say, what on earth is all that about? And tell him that I'm really disappointed in him. Next up, Sean. Liam Riley has asked, and I'm going to get. I saw this. I saw yeah, this. I'm going to get quick fire from you. Underrated, overrated. Liam Fontaine. Underrated. Grant Brebner. Underrated massively. Jack Ross. Underrated. David Gray. Overrated. Scott Allen. Overrated. Devin McBride. Underrated. I think I would go exactly the same apart from Jack Cross. I don't think you can go underrated or overrated. I think Jack Cross perfectly rated. I would, I would, one really rates I would give a quick, quick explanation on all of them just for context so I don't get abused. So if you can say the names again and I'll quickly. Right, Fontaine. I don't think he was ever overrated, but he just does a good good enough job, so no one actually really rates him or underrates him. Rebner. Because of the teams that he played in for Hibs, there was too many bigger players, so therefore I don't think he got the uh, acknowledgement that he should have. Jack Ross. Everyone outside of Hibs overrates him, but people within Hibs don't rate him at all, so that's why I overrate him. Um, found out too often but although he had a wicked delivery now and again and scored those five headers against Rangers which seems to be all his goals um, defensively I feel like he could have maybe been a little bit better and was exposed at times which is why he ended up playing a 3-5-2 Scott Allen one of the best footballers I've seen in a hip shot but when he was past it, people still seem to think he was the option, so that's the only reason I said overrated. Kevin McBride. Um, underappreciated because, because of the of team he was in. 
yeah, because of the Hibs team he was in and how poor it was, but at the same time he was in beside Leo Miller. I really and, liked Kevin McBride. question, and I, 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 I love and want more of that. Yeah, that was brilliant. So, Liam, if you're listening, send us another one of them next week and we'll do it Does again. It can be Hibs players. It can be anything in the world. Yeah, anything. Underrated, overrated. I will, uh, we should maybe make that a wee, a wee segment. A wee segment on the show. Um, next up, John Tommy says, oh, well, I think we put this out before Lee Johnson got sacked. I think a lot of them are about Lee Johnson. John Tommy says, do you think there is any way forward for Johnson? Clearly not. Keith says, do you think the board will have a replacement lined up? If so, who? Um, obviously, they don't because they've got down Dave Gray to take charge until Kelly away. The Aberdeen game, yeah. yeah. Um, North East Scotland Highby says, is Liam still Johnson? And I can tell you, I, after Saturday, I, I wasn't that bothered. Again, I had Myla at the football. And she was getting a wee bit tired and I was kind of looking for an excuse to leave. So Livingston's third goal came at a perfect time. I was I got my bearing and left. <laughs> I was like, nah, fuck this. Um, but I still thought that maybe he could have had a, a wee bit more time left in him. But on reflection now, it's probably the right decision at the right time, um, given the fact that we actually want to be competitive and challenge for a European spot again this season. Kev Wilson says, actually thought Del Ferrier played well. Bizarre taking him off. Other than that, Johnson's finish and can't be allowed to take charge on Thursday. Well, he's not. And we did mention earlier that Del Ferrier played pretty I well. Uh, I, liked, I liked Kev's question because he's kind of put in something else other than something Johnson-related, which, considering everything that was going on at that point, you can appreciate. I was quite intrigued to know how Del Ferrier got on considering we were actually playing him in his actual position but I think maybe the only thing that maybe hindered him was the fact that Jago was next to him and he maybe wasn't in that sixth role on his own. It was um, I thought he played well but you know I think I could have played well for Hibs on Saturday. We didn't really start well, we didn't maintain uh, any part of the game well you know we scored a goal obviously, scored two goals sorry but um, I don't think there was any part of our game really that we did that was better than Livingston at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, Del Ferrier did play well, a lot better than he played at right back uh, the other week anyway, that's for sure. Gav Dick has said, well, the new manager will have to work with this squad. Hope he's sat by the time the pod is recorded. You got your wish? Your wish is a Paul has said, don't really know where to start, to be honest. He has broken me. Glad there isn't a home game until September or something. I feel the exact same. But I felt the exact oh, Paul, same. Paul, listen, don't worry about it. Like it's not it's it's not it's not as bad as that. Don't let it break you. I hope you're doing better now, mate, that he's that he's gone. And um I hope the next Hibs manager doesn't break you as well. I wonder and if I look forward the, to seeing you in September sometime. You know when they put out the job description? I wonder, just to play it safe, the Hibs board are going to put on the job description that you have to be able to ride the Pepsi Max. <laughs> and Who knows? I wonder if there's going to be it's any not done us well for the last two appointments. Well, exactly. I wonder if there's going to be anything else maybe on that job description that is maybe non-football related. Uh, don't talk shite in interviews. 
don't make Liam McLennan from the Hibs Ramble buy a flag with a stupid quote on it and then play really badly at home against Livingston and get sacked before he's got the chance to fucking use it. Because that's, that's the thing that's annoying me the most about this. That's why I was going game time, game time. I just wanted to use my flag. I'm still going to take it to games in that. Because it still stands. Do Sharks worry about Mondays? Absolutely not. Uh, Jeff Ashton, bad sign, but I'm past caring. I think a lot of us were were in the same boat. Haley says, not excusing the bad performance at all, but just how bad was the referee? Blatant call for a penalty three times and he checks their one. Nick Walsh had an absolute nightmare on Saturday. He had a nightmare and it felt like from minute one he'd kind of lost he'd lost the the plot really and a lot of times where Nick Walsh has been the referee the games have kind of slithered away from his control like it's he's not really been able to keep it all in check and it's just kind of spiralled into a pool of madness and it seems to be a a constant when Nick Walsh is the referee Um, do you agree with that Sean? I know you didn't see the game on Saturday but no I do I do Good, I'm glad because I couldn't be asked for you saying anything different. <laughs> Harvey Scott has just put a picture of a flag that says Johnson out midget. Fair enough. Dave says, surely that's time up. And Ryan says, uh, hopefully it won't even be a discussion, but Johnson out. And if he doesn't get punted, then not one fan should show up to Pataudry next Sunday. Well, I think there probably will be fans. I'll not, I'm not going to be there. There will, there will be fans there now, though. Yeah, there will be. And uh, we put out another another tweet just trying to gauge for some uh, a couple of questions just before we came on here just to kind of gauge the where the fan base is at. You know, at this moment, post post Lee Johnson, and uh, we've got another couple. So Paul has said, "Hi guys, seen as uh, SDG is going to be in charge until the Aberdeen game on Sunday." Are we going to see any more bodies in the squad, e.g. a right-back, a midfielder, or are we sticking with what we've got just now and maybe just getting free agents after the window closes? I think, I think that's a great question because it comes full circle to the point that you made earlier on about who's really in charge of recruitment. And I think I think we might actually, even if it's like a loan, I think there will be something... Um, There'll have been, I think there'll have been things set up. There'll have been things set up that will just need kind of green lighted. And if we get the players in the door, and if they're low, like low risk, like I, I can't see us. Uh, I mean, even if um, Lee Johnson was still in a job and he was thriving, we'd won three out of three in the league. I can't see us spending a Dylan Vente esque fee in the final few days of the transfer window. Yep. Um, because as we all know, when it gets to this time in the window, it is it's kind of like desperation times. It's also just times about replacing, measures. It's also just about replacing what's maybe went out the door. And I think we've done that adequately so far. I don't think we will be seeing any massive signings coming in anyway. Maybe a couple to bolster the squad. I don't think that anyone who comes in would really have an issue with us, you know, 
if we are to bring in another couple of players, I don't think there will be a huge issue um, because it's, they would probably need to do the same anyway when they came in. Um, Elston Loon says, should we hold off appointing someone on a permanent basis and get McDermott to be a bit more hands-on? Maybe until the end of the year, which would allow time to find a decent option rather than rushing into things. And I think we need to find a good balance, Sean, between getting a manager in quickly and getting the right manager in. For the last couple of appointments, for me anyway, has been we have spent far too long going over this, going over that, going over the next thing. And by the time the manager's in, he's not good enough. Sean Maloney, we took ages to appoint him and he was gone in six months. Um, Lee Johnson, we had, you know, more or less the full back end of the season. What was it? Um, middle of March or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Sean Maloney was sacked, was it, was it about that? So there was a good few months left of the season and we ended up getting Lee Johnson. I know you said stuff about John Dal Thomason, but what do you think the balance is between my, getting my issue, a good appointment? I, I, I agree completely with what you just said. My issue with taking our time or taking too long or putting someone in interim charge or on a short-term basis, whether they're moving down or up in the role at the club, is naturally a group of footballers and a group of players will understand that that person isn't in charge long-term. So you're not going to get the optimum performance levels mm-hmm. from them that you need. And that would be my issue. Whereas if we can find the right balance of it being a short period of time, but being at the right appointment, players will get a clean slate and will maybe start performing better prior to the new manager coming in. And then when the new manager comes in, you hopefully get that new manager bounce and everyone working their backside off. Yeah. I think it's something that we need to we need to be quicker than what we have been the last couple of appointments. But we can't... It's like you said, we can't just go Lennon or just go this person. It needs to be the right appointment because ideally the next Hibs manager we want is going to be here for years and years and years. Chances are it's probably not going to work out that way, but um, we need the immediate success at the moment. And if we rush into it and, and appoint the wrong person, then that we're not going to get success. And just to finish up, um, Harvey Scott says, and we spoke about this last week, Sean, Harvey Scott says, I tried the eh, the McGangbang and it was good. So at least someone is agreeing with my food choices. Uh, Anyway, Delferia to start on Thursday, yes or no? I'll do my best on the way down to Villa or on the way down to Birmingham, technically, and on the way back up to give it a go. Yes, please do. So uh, I will do my absolute best to do that. I'll take pictures and I'll give you a review, um, and we can. I'd like a video review that we can put in the. Pod well, that that'll depend on whether I am driving or not. It depends on whether I'm doing it on the way down or the way back up. But well, you get a review. I want none- a video review regardless. Right, you'll get a you'll get a review nonetheless. Good, I'm glad. And sorry, that wasn't the last question. We've got one more, and it's from Jeff again. And he says, does it show how far we've gone backwards in our expectations as a fan base that McInnes is actually looking like not a bad shout 
I think I, we we touched on that earlier on. I saw I saw this and I feel inclined to completely agree with them because for years and years and years it comes back to the snobbery that you mentioned. I've been mean, nah, no chance, no chance, no chance, no chance. But when you actually break down his record, like would you would you rather between now and the end of the season scrape well by the time scrape sixth. Nah, not even that. I'm just trying to think. There'll be 34 games left. You scrape 34 1-0 victories under Derek McInnes or you bring in someone else and you're playing free-flowing attacking football and it's more enjoyable to watch but you maybe finish 6th or 7th or whatever. Those 34 1-0 wins are going to get us into 3rd. So Those 34 1-0 wins will probably win us the league. Maybe. Never know. Um, but that that... that I, I kind of feel inclined to agree with them that it does look as though we would be going backwards, but sometimes you need to go backwards to move forwards, very similar to yeah. I'm not comparing it to the, the same level, but very similar to how we got relegated. And then that was the best thing that could have happened for us to move forward as a club. So maybe we need do that. You think, do you think it is actually moving backwards, though, or do you think it is just what we need as a club? I don't think we would know. In time. I don't think we would know the answer unless it actually happened. It's, it's my that's answer, it. Unfortunately, that's it, and that's what we'll end on. Very, uh, a, a massive thank you if you've got this far. Um, it's been a, a, a long slog tonight uh, for for us recording. It's been a lot of kind of moaning here and there about Lee Johnson and his tenure at Hibs. So I hope, um, I really do hope you've enjoyed it. Please. Let us know on our socials. Um, we're at the Hibs Ramble on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, on Facebook, anything. You can get in touch with us and let us know who you'd like to be the next Hibs manager. If there's any Villa fans listening, I'm so sorry we didn't get around to talking about uh, Villa Park away, but it really isn't high on our list of priorities at this I have a moment question. in time. I have a question regarding Villa away. Considering, considering the result, right? So it's 5-0 victory aspect of it where would you rank a 1-0 Hibernian win away to Aston Villa on Thursday I don't think I would rank it because I don't think it's on the telly and I'm not going down and actually if it's not on the telly then I was going to go down anyway I I don't have a ticket I was going to go down anyway but unfortunately we can't quite sort um can't quite sort childcare, so I'm not able to go. Um, but if someone was to offer you a ticket, I'm assuming childcare might be able to get resolved. <laughs> no, because my dad's going down as well. Ah. So he, he's he's not even he's actually going down. I think he's he's getting Mark's ticket because Mark's not bothering him. Um, so I think uh, I would love I would love for Hibs to get um, even get a goal, even a, a draw or anything, get a goal. And, so my dad can can see um, you know half decent performance on his first ever European away. It would have been my first European away as well. Never been on one before. I'm still looking forward to it. Still looking forward to it. Well, it'll be good. I mean, so thankfully you managed to get tickets. But if I, if I was getting there and it wasn't on the telly, then there wouldn't really be much point, would there? I'd just be kind of sitting around looking at flash score. <laughs> In, in a pub in Birmingham, wishing I was at home. 
Yeah. But no, I think I think uh, yeah. So if you're a Villa fan, I'm I'm sorry that that was only a 30 second segment <laughs> on Aston Villa. But listen, you just don't deserve any airtime after you've very cruelly pumped us last Wednesday, and I, I didn't think that that was very fair at all. I mean, your Premier League side get a fucking grip. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Sean, for joining us. Uh, and Craig, of course, who's who's no longer with us, unfortunately. He's not passed um, away. He's not dropped <laughs> off the call because he's passed away. He's just had to drop off the call. He's just so, had to drop off the call. Well, to our knowledge, in the last half an hour, ten hour, he hasn't passed away. Well, I think he's actually sent a message in the chat in the last few minutes. So, um, <laughs> if if he is dead, then someone else is using this one. But yeah, thanks again for listening, um, and we will catch you. We'll get you at some point next week to talk about Villa and whoever we're playing next in the league. I can't even remember. Aberdeen, Aberdeen. Brilliant. Buzzing. Right. Cheers, Sean. See you in a bit. Catch you. Bye. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble.